about a month ago, I flew to New York City to meet the founder and host of New York Real. Her name is Olive Huey, aka Pineapple Olive. Olive is multi-talented. She is an artist, musician, and actress. In this episode of Flow Real TV, we talk about her challenges growing up in a religious family in Hong Kong, dealing with an eating disorder and overcoming that, and moving to New York to gain her independence and identity. The shot caller that she is in a moment of TV history, Olive calls out a flow moment, flow moment as I call it, while we are filming this interview. Without further ado, I would like to introduce you to the flow vocabulary, the pineapple olive Huey. Hi everybody, this is Tony Flo Real and this is Flo Real TV. I'm here in New York City. In front of me, I have my guest, Olive Huey. Yes. Olive and I met through the London Real Academy. Um, she had been appointed or actually um, kind of challenged by Mr. Brian Rose to do her own uh, New York Real. And uh, so, Basically, all of, how did that happen? <laughs> I'll tell you everything. Yeah, please. I mean, there's the whole uh, story behind that, yeah? No, we all attracted to Brian for his really special qualities. I think he's such a great interviewer, and he is learning nonstop, and he's inspiring everyone around him. He's a great teacher, too. So I, I love the fact that he's always on both sides. He's always um, balancing that, that force, but always moving forward. So I've been watching his shows, and um, when friends have anything that is less than perfect, that they're complaining or anything, I send them an interview. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, I hope that they will watch it yes. and get inspired. So then I realize I'm talking about London Real every day with my family, with my friends, and even with the cab driver. Wow. <laughs> so one day I was uh, in New York City riding um, in a yellow taxi and the driver and I started talking about money and the people in the uh, New, York, New Yorkers in the city and how everyone just work and work and work and try to get more money and what's the meaning, like what are the other things that make them happy because a lot of them hate their jobs. Right. And then um, I suggested the driver to watch a London Real episode. I think I suggested Dan Pena and uh, Peter Sage and Ty Lopez. Okay. Um, so I tweeted to Brian, hey, talking to the cabbie about London Real Academy. And he remembered me from that, from that tweet. Really? Yeah. So that was the first time you tweeted him? Yeah, and uh, because it's so real, it's London real and it's really happening in my life and it's helping me and people around me. Have you been tweeting like other people? I love Twitter. Okay, got it. <laughs> we are connected on Twitter too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because it, I think Twitter sent this one important message from your brain to someone else's brain without um, diluting. It's so short and sweet. I really love that. And everyone reads the tweets, you know, even if they ignore it, they read it. Yeah, and so you've had other people like uh, people like Brian actually respond back to you on Twitter. <laughs> I think, think he favorited it. Maybe he said something, ha ha. Like, <laughs> I gotta look, look at it again and see what he said. And uh, around the same time, maybe, uh, maybe if, actually a few weeks or months after, don't know exactly, but. It's always in my heart that the London Real Academy is so important to me. I gotta do something. I gotta tell Brian that maybe I should visit him, you know? So um, in my mind, I thought, I wish he had a real school. I wish he would put together an, 
I didn't think of academy, but I think a London Review School. Yes, then I'll fly this, over. You had this thought. I had because if I had ten thousand pounds, I would give it to Brian and and not Dan because I would be crying at Dan's. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Castle. Yeah. He's great, but but um, I was just telling Brian I want to learn from him. I want to uh, be his student. Uh, so I made this video of me walking in New York City, saying, "Hey, Brian, this is Olive from New York Real." I was joking. Oh wow! So I I'm a fan of yours. I've been talking about London Real, and. Uh, Please interview this person. Please interview that person. And I was still playing an audience. I was still thinking I need to be patient for the content. And I never thought about making it myself. Yes. And Brian replied. So you sent the video out on like Twitter or YouTube? I emailed him. Oh, you emailed yeah. him a video. Yeah. Okay. And, and he responded back. And not immediately, but. I knew if he watched it, I will see one view, right? You oh. see, <laughs> I made it private only for him. Wow. So uh, I knew he didn't watch it until later I checked in again. This is something very important. When you try to reach someone, if they are busy, if they are, it doesn't, they don't have to be a celebrity, but if they are a writer or they are, have their own craft, they're always working on their own craft. And don't give up if you can reach someone for the first time. Always a second follow-up email does the trick. Okay. So I uh, emailed back, hey, checking in, have you watched my video? And he responded, and I was so excited. And he said, um, wow, haha, Olive, that's crazy. Um, you got it down, like, okay, now why don't you set up New York Real? Send me a pilot, no excuses. Wow. And then I was like, oh. What did I get myself into? I don't know how to operate cameras. I am not very articulate. I like to watch, but I don't think I can produce. So at the same time, no excuses was in my mind. Mm. And everything after that that stopped me from doing it became an excuse. Wow. And I can't turn down Brian. I mean, this is my, my idol, my hero. Yes. So I said, yes. I will try, nice. and that's how it all started. How long? How long did you uh, follow London Real, and and like, how did you find out about London Real? Mm -hmm. I uh, probably had been watching for I would say between one to two years. Okay. Uh, watching London Real, and it, my first episode was um, Peter Sage. and I think it's probably suggested to me uh, because I watched some of the motivational videos and I've oh. I used to watch um, this lady's interview she's like a female Brian her name is uh, Lilu Mace have you heard of Lilu Mace yeah. yeah she had thousands of videos yeah. she also challenged herself um, she would put up uh, videos when she doesn't feel her best like it, when she's just like okay guys today I I'm kind of feeling out of it but I'm gonna talk to you about what I'm thinking about so at the same time she's learning and you're learning with her right so like in YouTube it suggests videos for you and you just randomly found London real that it, way it, yeah I remember watching Brian and Peter Sage but I don't remember who told me about London real and I thought wow Peter Sage's presence is so calm and He's so sweet. All these messages. I'm like, yes, yes, that's right, that's right. Um, he talked. He talked about how people don't love themselves. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of true, but but why? Mm -hmm. And uh, in the recent interview that I had with Becky Walsh, who was um, a guest of Lilu back a few years ago, um, she said, which is a new new thought to me, because. We look at the world around us and we see all the bad things. And our lizard brain also is attracted to all the, the negative things, right. like the gossips. So, so you're filled with that every day, all day. You talk to people, you see how people don't love their neighbors, how people fight, and you're like, oh, those are human. And I'm human. Mm, what are human? Like, it's very hard for you to, to accept that you are part of this and to love yourself. And, and that's a 
really big message that I think um, Brian, Peter, and all the other teachers have taught us. Give us a little of your background. So you grew up in Hong Kong. You were born there, mm -hmm. and you came over when to the, the States? Uh, I was born and raised in Hong Kong, so I spent half of my life there and half here. Yeah, um, I was... Uh, 19 when I decided I need to travel, I need to be independent. So um, I lived in New Jersey for two years and then I transferred to Hunter College in the city. Okay. And um, it's always been, uh, I feel very fortunate to have both influence. Yes. Uh, the values, the upbringing, um, education completely different. What was it like your earlier years growing up in Hong Kong? You said you came from a religious family, yeah. so that's where your values come from, but there are also things that you <laughs> disagreed with. Yeah, I, um, as a child, I feel different um, from everyone else. I told my mom, I asked her, how come I feel different? And she said, well, everyone feels different. <laughs> everyone feels unique or special, which is true. Um, I think that I'm rebellious in a way, but I'm not showing it, so it's kind of suppressed. And when I was 18, I developed this really bad habit, which is eating disorder. I had um, bulimia. But I didn't tell anyone, I didn't tell a soul, until I recovered, also because I was stubborn. Um, so I would still be the good girl, so, so trying to, you know, um, do schoolwork and uh, go to church. So you had a facade, you gave everybody the impression that you were a good girl, yeah. but like behind the scenes you weren't or just inside? <laughs> I think I always have this fear, but I don't know what it is. Um, I used to think that I'm fearful of the image of space or forever or something that never ends and I I would sit there and just think about it until I'm sweating sweating and my heart is like racing I was like what is this forever feeling <laughs> what if the world never ends like what do we do do we really go to heaven so I had a lot of questions and I feel like the answers that I got at the time were not the answers I need to to uh, to make me feel satisfied. Um, and with bulimia, it's very strange. It's not about weight loss. Whenever I feel um, stress, pressure, then I know, oh, then, then I might throw up today. I don't even know why. Um, it's, it might give you the feeling of that I'm in control of my body. So I do this. I can get rid of this stress or, or have this feeling of release. Yeah. Yeah, so... Purging basically gave you that feeling of, of release or relief for a temporary moment. Temporary. Yeah. But you feel bad as soon as you finish. You look at the mirror. Sometimes your makeup is like smeared. Right. And, and uh, it's really bad for your teeth, really bad for everything. And... Um, and I would look in the mirror, look at myself, and feel really shitty. <laughs> but I don't know how to get out of it. Um, so I researched on the internet and realized that, oh, I'm not the only one. It is a thing. People do this. A lot of girls, a lot of um, like dancers, performers. Yeah. Um, it's part of growing up, not knowing what to do with your body. And, and also, you know, going into adulthood, you know, from a teenager, not knowing too much about sex, about your own body. <laughs> like Especially coming from that background. Yeah, yeah. and, and the, the Chinese background also is pretty um, traditional, conservative. So we don't talk about, we don't talk about sex, we don't talk about um, too much of feelings. You don't even say I love you. You don't even hug? Uh, uh, we hug. Okay. Um, my family's closer, like me and my parents, uh, we hug with whole hands, I kiss my mom, yeah. <laughs> uh, I kiss my dad too, 
but um, but it's just outside. Yeah. You don't. With parents, you don't really say I. I love you in in Chinese so much. You say I care about you. Did you eat? Did you have lunch? Like that's the way. Did you have breakfast? That's how you, that's how you say I yeah. love you. Yeah. So um, I love reading English books. I watch a lot of Nine Hundred Two One Zero and Keanu Reeves <laughs> TV movies. And my birthday was Fourth of July, so I thought I must belong there. I dream of having um, an adventure in America. Yeah. So around eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, about around nineteen, I decided I need to make that happen. Okay. And uh, well, my eating disorder was from before to after I got here. So it's, um, I was completely um, cured maybe after three years. Okay. Yeah, and I read a book later about um, girls that suffered from eating disorder. A lot of them left home because they needed it, the distance to, to grow and to be with um, themselves, you know, to spend time. It's like a <laughs> meditation for for years, you know, you kind of just need to organize your thoughts and know what are yours and what are from your environment or people that you respect and look up to, what they told you to do, and you need to find yourself. So that was from a book or just from having space from your family? Um, I, I read about that years later that a lot of us left home or moved somewhere to, to recover. Okay. But at the time, I didn't know. Yeah. I was just searching for something bigger or something closer to my heart. What, what enabled you to overcome the bulimia? What was the final? I would, oh, this is so, so bad. Like every time I talk about it, please know that this is not fun. Do not try, do not do it at all. I would throw up up to like three times a day. And, uh, but people wouldn't know because um, it doesn't show. I'm not like super skinny or anything. I was probably 125. Uh, still running in the track team. <laughs> so like I'm just using a lot of energy and not getting the nutrition. And once, um, one time I got, I saw blood in my vomit. And I really Google and read. There's just nothing good about it. They said, seek professional help. And I was really stubborn. I thought I would cure myself. So I just start to um, tell myself I need to stop. And um, Coincidentally, uh, at the time I had my first boyfriend who told me after I told him what's happening with me, with my life, with my eating disorder, he said, I'll still love you no matter what. Maybe that just is a message I need to hear. It doesn't have to be him. I just need to know it's okay no matter what. Wow. Then. Um, I, and I stopped completely. It's, every, every meal is a blessing. I just had, uh, you know, breakfast or lunch. Uh, try to balance your, um, what, what you, you take in. Um, and then let the lunch sit there and not do anything. That was my, uh, goal. <laughs> and focus on other more important things in your life. Wow, so that led to your recovery was actually hearing somebody tell you that he loves you no matter what. And, and that gave you a feeling like, what was that feeling like that was different before? What, how did that transform you? I never thought no matter what is an option. <laughs> like, we just really have to find that for ourselves. Like, it's, it could be self-love. It doesn't have to be from anyone else. As long as you wake up in the morning, you're breathing, you're living, you have this whole day to plan, to do fun things, to spend time with people you care about, then you're okay. Like, no matter what, it's going to be fine. Wow. So what happened after that? Where you got into school, and then how did you get into the entertainment side of things? <laughs> um, I went to school for theater and studio art. I just love the theater because being backstage, if you have been in a play, you know how 
the anticipation, the, the smell of being backstage and everyone's excited and you have audience out there and you want to perform this text that you learned in a new way every time. And I just really love acting. And also I love um, visual arts. So um, can pick, let's do a double major. <laughs> Wow. So did you have acting experience before? Like, how did you get the bug to get into theater? I was not one of those kids that was in every play, you know, um, playing lead roles at 12, not like that. But uh, in Hong Kong, I had some uh, acting experience from uh, festivals. I played, my first role was playing a 70-year-old woman. <laughs> At what age? At uh, maybe 17. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they drew um, wrinkles on my face. Yeah. And uh, at one point, this old woman turned into a young girl. It was a weird uh, fantasy, um, departure from realism type of play. And, and so my voice was like really old at the time. And then I turned into a little girl and I was like dancing all over the place and turned back into an older lady later. <laughs> wow. And um, what was that feeling like for starting out? Like, was that just like, wow, I really like this feeling? Um, was it relatable to like the kind of feeling that you had with uh, like bulimia where you couldn't really express? That's actually a really good point. I think that we need to release, we need to express ourselves through all kinds of activities. It doesn't have to be theater, it doesn't have to be music. You can, you can sing in the shower too. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Talking, conversation, any little thing. Uh, one of the exercises that I read from a book, I believe it's called Act Now. I think it's called Act Now. Uh, there are exercises that actors were dared to do. One of them was every time you're in an elevator, start a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I have kept that. I, I still do that in Manhattan. People don't talk to each other. We're too busy running around and focusing on all the things on your mind because not everyone read David Allen's Getting Things Done talking about brain dump and how to organize your life, how to make um, the list of uh, all the things that you need to do, and then put down what you have to do uh, first to check it off, okay. and the first test for, for doing that. So I didn't have all the tools, and I used to be shy, so wouldn't start a conversation. But this book, um, that exercise challenged me, so I still do it. Um, there are no uh, mutual interests or any any reason to talk. Sometimes I'm just like, wow, this is a really slow elevator. <laughs> oh, do you work here? Like, I just try to start a conversation. Yeah. And you realize that um, people do like to connect. Yeah. And uh, because if you are living in the same city, and you're in the same neighborhood, you probably experience a lot of the same things. And um, pretty interesting. Sometimes I end up talking about what I do and then they tell me what they do. And yeah, um, most of the time it didn't turn into friendship or anything, but it changed your day. You, yeah, exactly. you feel much better after you talk to other humans. And then like connect to other <laughs> yeah. people, strangers. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think theater push you to uh, get out of your comfort zone. And your comfort zone is not just one thing. It changes. Mm -hmm. And once you stretch it, and you get to another stage, you realize that you have all these other space that you could go to, and it never ends. <laughs> Besides theater, visual arts was the same kind of expression for you to express what was inside out onto like what, what kind of medium, like painting or? Yeah, I do watercolor painting, okay. yes. Um, I just love drawing people. Um, it doesn't have to be all about the likeness, even though I could do that too. But it's the uh, almost about the minimal minimalism, like 
a few watercolor brush strokes gives you a, a lot of emotion mm -hmm. and it changes um, it depends on how you're feeling inside a lot of work that I did I was like I did this did I also do this but it looks like they're from different people because you capture the the state you're in yes. and you share that there's a place really wonderful in the city called the um, Society of Illustrators um, every Tuesday and Thursdays they have sketch nights so there are models uh, I think two models sometimes um, they're nude sometimes they are wearing costumes right. and everyone sits around you bring your own sketchbook you bring your paint you some people um, just use pencils some some just like have the uh, easel and everything like all laid out yeah, and yeah, yeah and you just you draw on the same people, but if you look around, wow, this guy's work is like digital work. You feel like, oh, he must be really good with Photoshop, you can just tell. Some people are doing um, sketches and charcoal, everything. Yeah, everyone fits in. And it's basically like everybody's own personality. It's their style being expressed out, their personality being expressed as their style. Being in that room is really exciting. And so you're also involved with music too, right? Yes, I have a band called Late Cambrian. <laughs> I use all our music in New York Real um, because, well, obvi obviously I will give myself the right to use it. Yeah. <laughs> Makes it easier, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. And, um, well, that's a whole new other journey of my life. When I used to play piano and sing by myself, I write sad ballad little songs. Um, people said it sounded like Tori Amos or, oh, right. uh, yeah, but she's obviously really, really good. Mm -hmm. But I, um, it's emotional. When I'm really sad, I would sit in, the fr in front of the piano and play chords. And I love out of tune pianos. When it's like, oh, this is a really nice one. We actually yeah. have to try it. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> um, the older, the better. The more out uh, tune, I like it, you know, uh, even more. And um, and I think art and emotions. When you first started out, you think that sadness is so overpowering. You need to do something about it. Yeah, so I wrote a lot of sad songs in the beginning. And this is as like a solo artist? Yeah, yeah that was when I was by myself. Um, and then I, I have a guitarist, um, uh, why he and I formed uh, a group called Park Island. That was uh, just us playing in Manhattan, um, mainly in Manhattan, um, for two years maybe. Then when I met my bandmates now with Lake Cambrian, it's a whole new different experience because um, we are we are four piece, so um, we need to think together, four brains working together, and no longer so sad. <laughs> right. I've heard the music. I really like it. It's like very upbeat for yes, sure. Yes. Yes. And. Uh, Going on tour is, is something that I would, I, would, um, I would give up a lot to do. Um, last year, this time in October, the end of um, September, we started. Um, we went on tour in the UK, um, in Europe, and uh, we went to Germany, we went to Amsterdam, um, Ireland. Yeah, we were invited to open for a band called Wheatus. And they heard about you somehow? Yes, we played another um, tour. We, uh, we played another, uh, we toured together in the U.S. before. And we're friends from the neighborhood in Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, in Greenpoint, where Lake Cameron has started. Um, so actually, the lead singer, guitarist, Brendan B. Brown, is my guest in this most recent episode. Of New Year Real, oh, cool. yes. Um, they have a song called Teenage Dirtbag where a lot of people can relate to and love. Uh, so traveling with your music 
meeting 14 years old to 60 years old, connecting on that level for no matter how, how long you set is 30 minutes, 45 minutes, was the best thing. It's, you realize that it's a, music is a medium for you to express yourself and all the other things like how different we look, uh, what we do, nothing matters right. for that. That feeling. Yeah, for that uh, eight songs, nine songs, we're all together, we're jumping up and down, we're engaging, we're singing together and having eye contact, we're hugging, like so many things happened and I think music is a really, really good medium to connect with other human beings, with people in the same band, but also other people that are enjoying the music coming from the band. So I want to segue into uh, flow states. Yes. Basically, what you're describing is what they call like group flow. So you get in a point where it's almost telepathic with all your bandmates that you can uh, basically feed off each other's energy and play in, in, a, in a synchronized way. So can you describe like that process, like how that even happens, you know, where, or, and even like describe how does that feel for you when everything's clicking? Um, what, is, what is the word, what flow? Flow, yeah. So basically like you get in a state where there is no more resistance in your mind. Uh, you lose track of time. <laughs> basically you're so engaged and focused in the moment there's no other thoughts going on and you're only uh, basically uh, working together as a group as a unit yes and I'm feeling this with you right now yeah. <laughs> I feel it exactly I yeah. feel the same I woke up early I didn't feel so energized like two hours ago uh, jump in the cold shower yeah Cold shower wakes you up. I've been doing that for almost two months now. Nice. Yes. And you have to be alert. And when everyone is at that state together, wow, right. it's powerful. And um, I knew that when, when we were on stage and we felt that without even looking at one another, we can feel it. It's not something you can see. Um, of course, they, they would be smiling too. I think one, uh, one thing that I really like to, to uh, do to check in with myself is wash my face from the outside. When I'm editing New York Real, I, my, my smile is like up to here. <laughs> I was like, why am I so happy? When you're doing the things that you love, yes. that you're passionate about, it's so silly that I'm, ooh. And um, when you're alone, sometimes you, you could feel that too. Yeah. And then when you <laughs> go through the cycle of being happy and sad, which I go through a lot, I'm sure you do too, mm -hmm. then you remember what it's like to, to be up there and know that it's all, it's gonna come back. It's like a cycle, it's a healthy cycle. You know that it's a cycle and you also know that it, it comes back. It's something that's not like permanent all the time. That, Nothing is permanent. Yeah, so you actually understand the, the human part of it. It's like <laughs> a lot of people that uh, get into flow states, yeah. they get super depressed because they, they're trying to get back in it. So they're doing everything they can, they're almost forcing the state which never shows up anymore because mm -hmm. they're always like forcing it and uh, it seems like you actually understand that process maybe because of uh, being an artist um, not even like the highest uh, suicide rate is actually creatives and artists because they they reach these like flow states that are super creative and in bands where they're actually like connecting with each other and connecting with the audience or something with like amplification of the more people that are involved like the the bigger the state and uh, so you must have had some sort of background or is that just from experience that you know that it's a cycle that you know there's like the struggle then there's like the release and then there's the actual flow state and then there's recovery so 
I thought the highest suicidal uh, profession was uh, dentistry. I thought, but I didn't. I never knew why. Yeah, it's probably up there. I'm not sure which、mm-hmm. is higher, but. But it is known that for actors, for performers, after you perform, you want to remain there.、Yeah. So you would drink, you would, Drugs, yeah, do、right. all kinds of things to stay there.、Um, no, when you get off stage, you gotta remember it's all the same in life. Like, aren't we lucky to have a body to wake up and every move that you 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 move you do. Is a part of your your life. Your whole life is a performance. Exactly. Like,、so、how did this even happen? Yes. Like, I think the older I am, the more I felt this way when I wake up. Whoa! We're like, we can control. We have hands. We have、yeah. arms and legs. We can travel. And I felt that when I hurt my knee. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll actually I'll get back to my knee later. But、uh, yes, with that flow state. Uh, there are many different levels with your、um, bandmates. You all have different cycle. So when someone is down here, if you happen to be up there, you gotta put two and two together and share that energy.、Mm-hmm. And then most of the time, you both get flowing again and get out of that pit. <laughs> And, and、uh, it's harder, like the more people that are involved, right? It is hard when when it's about decision making. Yeah. But someone has to be the leader. Yeah. In my band, it would be John Plushevsky. He would be the leader, and we can never vote. We don't do two and two votes. We say everything on our mind,、uh, the good and the bad. Like, why do we think we should tour, even if it's gonna.、Um, Get us in in some kind of debt that we think might happen eventually. Yeah, Usually, don't happen. Based, yeah. yeah.、Um, why we have to do it? Because we see the we can visualize us really doing that, and we want to connect with our fans in other countries. And so we talk about it, and then one person make the decision. We we trust one another. We go with it.、Mm-hmm. Yeah.、Um, it is something. That we all learn from different things in our lives.、Yeah. I think that in my twenties, I always say twenties is like a buffet. <laughs> yeah, you、um, sample, Sorry, sample,、okay. sample, and yeah, then yeah. you're like, wait, I don't even remember how that tastes. Let me try it again. And you don't want to be stable. You're like, this is the dish I'm gonna have for the rest of my life. I mean, I'm not talking about people. <laughs> like,、uh, but some people think about that in terms of relationship too. And、uh, your work, your job, your Passion, interest, everything.、Um, then you realize, oh, when you're 27, 28, 29, people give you pressure.、Um, I think you you should have a really good job by 30. I think you should have two kids by 30, or at least one. You should be married. Like all these expectations get thrown at you.、Um, that's the time to learn who you are and how to filter the noises. I love being in my 30s. I really do. I think if we take care of ourselves,、mm-hmm. <laughs> we can try to、uh, rewind aging. Try to stay healthy, active. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then you're living your twenties twice.、Yeah. I think our generation is. Re- I don't know how old you are. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna、lucky. be 38 soon. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 36.、Okay. Yeah, so I think that our generation is super lucky. We're given opportunities to have options.、Mm-hmm. Um, we have. We have options、uh, where we want to live. We want you. What do you want to do for work? What do you want to do after work?、Right. Who are your friends? Like,、uh, but Peter Sage has a good saying:、um, choose your friends, love your family.、Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not the other way around. <laughs> <right> . So. <laughs> What was interesting is you're talking about this morning, and you weren't like really feeling like energetic. I'm so so tired this morning.、Yeah. <laughs> Basically, like I just find that with anything, whether it's like meeting people or like starting something new, there's always this like friction that happens. And but if you just stick with it, and like for example, your bandmates, you all like communicate, talk about the good and the bad, and then eventually like. Something clicks, 
and all of a sudden you're like everybody's energetic because i felt the same thing like we're both in flow right now i'm like super engaged listening and just like tripping out like how that process happens and for me it's like i've seen it enough times that i know that what's gonna happen but um how did you come to know that for yourself that was just through like uh, working with your bandmates and through art or like you you seem to like recognize it like you're one of the few people that actually like says it right on camera like wait a minute like we're in it right now <laughs> I felt that I felt this uh, when I was interviewing Brian so back in July uh, I was in London and Brian the founder and host of London Real Academy which I look up to, and uh, I call him my mentor. Now we know not to really call someone your mentor, but just to learn from someone. Yeah. I called him, I was Respect. like, I'm apprenticing from the master. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I felt that when I was interviewing him. Um, you have to trust, trust yourself, the person you're interacting with, your journey, the world, and, uh, you just have to know that all the unknown, all the unknown are okay. They're, they're great. The unknown is just things that you don't know yet. But when you get to the right place, they unlock yeah. and you receive more. So a lot of people ask me, how did you get to start New Year Real? Like who gave you the permission to start? Nobody. I gave myself the permission to start New Year Real. <laughs> I'm doing this for myself in the beginning, but I want to share the conversation with, with the world. Now we have the internet, we have to take advantage and uh, open up the, the platform. Everyone can watch. This is like a very intimate conversation, like right now me and you are having, but it's public too. I think life is too short not to share. It's, I mean, why do we record this and then we just like hide it? We have to share and if someone get inspired, they're gonna inspire other people. Right. So I like to stay in this flow state. <laughs> so cool that you actually like recognize it again, you know, um, that you, it's really rare that somebody actually like says it until like maybe after the fact um, usually like in the moment they're so engaged and then later on like they're like what was that like what what happened there <laughs> what and, happened there Tony <laughs> yeah. and you're doing it like right on the camera which I is so it. cool, so cool. <laughs> well because we know the opposite the opposite is not doing this not connecting feeling lousy yeah, staying no, in bed yeah. all day yeah. And, or death. Yeah. I mean, how much do we know about death? I have a, a guest coming up. She's a, oh my gosh, she's so strong. And, and she is, uh, she has a lot of gut. She focuses on death. Um, she's training people to be, have you heard of um, doula for, for people, um, like for pregnant women, you, you hire oh, a doula yeah. to, to yeah, exactly. welcome the baby. Yeah. This is end of life doula. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. So helping them transition to the end of their life. Yes. So that's going to be uh, in the near future. We, we're shooting that episode with Suzanne. And um, I took her, I'm taking her level one training program because I want to get to know the program and get to know her better before I interview her. And it is um, every Every point that she's making, I'm like, I need to breathe. Because I have grandparents that passed away. I have friends, really good friends that passed away. How much do we know about death? Yeah. We are not comfortable talking about it. Have so, you actually like seen the bodies after, like at I a have, funeral? I have. I was, oh God. I saw my, my grandfather, my dad's dad, um, on my way to fly to Hong Kong, he had, a, he had a stroke. On my way to see him, I got the news, it was a text. 
basically uh, grandpa has, and then I don't even need to click. I knew he passed away before I made it there. Yeah, so that was a super sad flight. I remember crying on a plane talking about it uh, with the strangers that I just met. And and people, you know, they don't know me, but they helped out and they listened. That was really valuable. I went there, I saw him right in front of me. Immediately I knew, wow, this is just a body. This is not him. He's not here anymore. Um, I am, I'm not religious. I am spiritual only in a sense that I'm connected to myself. There are a lot of things I don't know. I don't know if there's afterlife. I don't know if there are ghosts. <laughs> but I focus on my life now. And uh, I know that if it's not about this life, there are all the things I don't know about that will happen. And let's focus on making this awesome. And um, I, I shared on um, the New York Real uh, Times, London Real episode with Brian too. Recently, I have a friend, um, Jess, he passed away. He's uh, Jess Marquis. He's a famous DJ in New York City. Um, right before we were supposed to meet up in the, in the winter, New Yorkers are very lazy. We all hibernate. Yeah. It's so cold. Let's just see each other uh, in springtime or summer. So we have not, uh, we hadn't hung out um, for a few months. And I tweeted Brian's TED Talk at him because he's a leader of his tribe and I wanted him to watch it. He tweeted back, I really needed to hear this. I really needed to watch this. Thank you. So I was like, wow, he watched Brian's, interview, uh, Brian's uh, TED Talk, great. Um, then when we got the news that he took his own life later, it was like, how can I reverse time? Every time I get on a train, I see him coming in and I say, hey, oh, what's up? Yeah. I went to his um, weekly party, it's called Trash Party in um, Webster Hall, um, and he would always be the most friendliest guy. He get everyone in the same room to dance and to uh, talk and to catch up. And he would pick out people. You next week, you're going up on stage. I want you up there to dance at my next party, and I'm paying you. Like a lot of people, just felt like oh, I belong, you know, in this group. Yeah. And and this is he's such a wonderful person at his. Um, there was like a sort of like a not a memorial, not yeah. not a funeral, but a memorial at the same place, Webster Hall, on the same stage that he used to DJ at, and fifteen people went on stage to talk about how he affected their lives, how they, he made New York City, the the experience in New York City different for them. So, um, I mean, constantly we receive a lot of. Reminders. reminders have to about, check in and yeah. get back to that flow because you're talking about like knowing about flow from the opposite yeah. and to the extreme example of death and allowing death to remind us to how see how precious what we have right now in this exactly. thing that's what we know yes. we don't know about anything else after you know all we know is that that person it's not in that body anymore. And that you're I had the same experience looking at my grandparents too. It's just like that's not my grandpa, that's not my grandma. That looks like a a, a stage dummy. Yeah, you know, like, like a a prop. a prop. Yeah, it was like, you know, I could see why people call it a shell, right? Like they just left it behind. Mm -hmm. It was like, where did they go? You know, and we don't know. I mean that's that's the bizarre thing. So I have a lot of respect for grandparents. I feel like every day we're living, we're living for ourselves and for our parents and for our grandparents. We have to continue this legacy that they they left. Pretty cool that, um, again, like human beings and, and connection and like stories, because uh, Flow Real, 
the tagline for this show it's talking stories so yes I find that like cultures that's how they were able to educate the next generation especially like the ones that were really connected with the planet and the earth and nature we're always sharing stories to the um, the next generation so the elders like the grandparents were always like sharing those stories with the children and it just got passed on and I I just think that stories are uh, more they stick in our minds and in our memories better than just like accumulating a bunch of information which is what's (laughs) happening these days we all love stories love stories yeah and grandparents they have stories oh yeah and their generation had it so much harder than us yeah. they've been through wars and that's that's just like a whole another topic that we're yeah. gonna have to get into <laughs> so olive that's the end of the show but thank you so much for sharing your wisdom i i'm honestly blown away that you actually called out the flow state <laughs> on camera meeting, meeting you i i remember <laughs> i have to i have to be be like you too, because you inspired me a lot. We Skyped before, and uh, you're so humble and calm. And when I think about you, it reminds me to stay in the flow state. Thank you, Tony, for having me on Flow Real. Where can I get one of these shirts? <laughs> <laughs> to wear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll make sure you get one for sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Olive, for coming on the show. Thank you for coming from Hawaii. Yeah, it's a pleasure, and uh, look forward to the next time that I'm gonna interview you again. So, yay! <laughs> Maybe in Hawaii. <laughs> wow, that's cool. That I'll totally cool. go there. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> that was amazing. Oh my god, <laughs> we can do this forever. Right? Like as we were talking about the state, we were like really just there.